Well, good morning, Better Life Church. How you guys doing? Make some noise if you're excited to be in church this morning. Come on, make some noise. Yes. It's okay to be excited in church. That's acceptable. We're loud. Well, friends, we are kicking off a brand new series today. Um, Did you guys like the Hurry series? Anybody enjoy that last series? That was amazing. We have the best pastor in the world. He did such a good job through there. And uh, I am so honored to be able to hang out with you guys this morning as we kick off our All in Wonder series. We're going to be talking about worship and uh, what that looks like a little bit um, in our lives, kind of practically, right? We're going to be breaking that down each week. But if you don't know who I am, my name's Trevor. I'm the creative pastor here at Better Life Church. And uh, that means I get to hang out with some incredible team members, um, our production team and our worship team. And so I'm I'm involved. You probably see me playing an instrument um, usually on Sunday somewhere around here. But um, I love it. It's a blast. And uh, can we give it up for Caleb Hall, our Grayson worship director that was here leading with us this morning. He's so awesome. We love him. Grayson, we love you. Thank you for letting us borrow Caleb this Sunday. He was so much fun. Um, Hope you guys are doing great in Grayson. We love our Grayson community there. But I'm going to go ahead and hop into today's message. Uh, Anybody remember maybe when you started falling in love, show of hands, like anybody remember that? Or when you had your first crush, maybe it was puppy love, you had your first crush, right? Anybody been there before? Some of you know, Um, right? Everything is just so much better. Like, like, like food is better, like music is better, life is better, like the grass is greener. There's just something uh, about life, right? When you have that moment, you, you have that first crush, you have that person that you begin to, to fall in love with. And um, all the weird love songs just begin to make sense. Like up until this point in time in life, like your parents would play stuff like that from like the 80s or whatever. And you're like, this is the weirdest music I've ever heard in my life, right? Like you just didn't get it. It was awkward. It was like really sappy and weird. But then like you kind of find somebody, you have that crush. You're like, even come on, my middle schoolers, where are my middle schoolers at? You guys do this. Like I know you guys do this. I've seen it. I've witnessed it, right? And they're just like, like, they're like now they're jamming out to these weird like love songs. And you're like, what is wrong with you? You know what I mean? I remember that. I've, I'm, I've been married a little over two years now. And um, for me, it was was Ben Rector. If you don't know who Ben Rector is, you should probably Google him immediately because he's amazing. And all of his like, all of his like lovey-dovey songs, it's like all I listened to like forever, right? You know what I mean? That was just like in that season of life I was in. But what I've come to find out after being married now for, for a couple years is there's a big difference between saying I love you and living I love you. And that's really going to shape the tone for this morning's message is that there is actually a difference between saying I love you and living I love you. A great example for this is, right, um, a, big, a big struggle for me is I don't like to put the dishes like in the dishwasher. I don't know why. I don't know what it's like. I don't know why, but I love to put them in the sink. Like but my wife likes me to put them in the dishwasher, but I like to put them in the sink. And so that's something that like I've had to figure out. It's like I have to put the dishes in the dishwasher, not in the sink, although I want to put them in the sink so bad. And I want them to just pile up so I can see this like pile of dishes as weird as that is. I don't know why I do that, right? But there's a difference between like saying I love you, like, oh, I love you, babe. Da, da, da. And if I never helped around the house, like, or never did anything to help her, like to show my love tangibly to her, we're probably not going to have that great of a relationship, right? Or if I never like took out the trash, never did anything, like that. That's not even in marriages. That's in friendships, any relationship in general, right? There's this certain degree of uh, you, you live life together. You actually show the way you love someone by the way you live, by your actions. You hang out with them. You go do things together. You do the things for them. They do things for you, right? You kind of get the picture. There's a big difference between saying I love you and living I love you as well. And when we're talking about worship, I think there's, there's really two different concepts. There's an aspect of worship that's this saying I love you to God. And there's another aspect of worship that's actually living I love you 
to God. Now, if you look up the word worship, actually, like on your Apple dictionary, that's what I did. I guess we don't use Webster anymore. It's kind of like hit the little button on Apple and it highlights it, right? It shows you the definition. This is what it reads. It reads that worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, right? And that's what most of us would probably be familiar with. But here's what I want you to understand is whether you know it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, right? Whether you uh, are a part of maybe another world, world religion or not, it might not be a specific deity, but every single person on the planet worships. Every single one of us. We are all worshipers at the end of the day. We all worship someone or something no matter who we are or where we are in life. I don't care if you're 12 or if you're like 84 in here this morning, you worship something every moment of every day. Because at the end of the day, worship is simply about value, right? We worship things that we find value in, things that we like, things that we enjoy. And our worship is ultimately a response to what we value the most. Hopefully for us in the room that are Christians, we believe that Jesus is the thing that we value the most in our lives. And last week, Pastor had this amazing message where he was talking about not just putting Jesus first, right? We just don't pray at the beginning of the day, but we put him in the center of our lives. He's in the center of everything we do, every moment of every day. But regardless of where you are on the Christian or believing or unbelieving spectrum, there are things in your life that you value and you begin to make choices and decisions and you have these feelings that correlate to the thing that you value most in life. Right? For, for some of us, maybe that's our career. And we really genuinely value our career so much. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but when that begins to become the thing that you value most, you begin to start worshiping that over something else that should probably have your worship. Maybe for uh, some of us in the room, that's sports, right? I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to a sporting event, you're looking at people just losing their mind, like hands up when somebody scores a touchdown and you're sitting here and you're like, that kind of looks like church sometimes. You know what I'm saying, right? You're like, whoa, that's weird. Maybe you've been to a concert, right? Like I've seen people worship the Coldplay way more than they've worshiped in church. Like it's wild how people can be so like involved. They're so in that moment because they value what's being done. And I'm not here to say that those things are wrong by any way, shape, Perform. I love listening to Coldplay, right? I love sports. Not that those things are wrong, but if those are becoming the number one thing in our lives, if they're becoming the center of our lives, something is beginning to get off in our worship. Here's a great access assessment test, right? If you want to know what you're worshiping, I want you to look at the three T's of your life. Your time, your talents, and your treasures, right? Time, talents, and treasures. The first one, your time. Where do you spend the majority of your time in life? That's going to show you a lot about the things that you value the most, and what you value the most is what you worship the most, right? So for some of us, if you're at a, a, a like a kid's sporting event every single night of the week or something, I mean, you are just constantly running, you really value sports a lot in your family, right? Not that that's wrong, but you need to have a heart check and say, okay, are we valuing this more than Jesus? Are we valuing this more than what it means to worship God? Are we worshiping more than it means to worship God? Uh, maybe for some of you else in the room, it's your career and it's how much time you're spending at work. Maybe for it's just friends and you wanna hang out all the time before you know it, that's eating up so much of your schedule that you don't really have time for anything else. But look at your time, literally just do an assessment of your weekly calendar and figure out where you're putting the most of your time. That's gonna show you what you value, what you worship. The next thing, right, your money. This is a great one. 
It, Jesus speaks about this in the New Testament where your heart, uh, where your treasure is your heart will be also. A lot of times all you got to do is scroll through your checking account and see what you've spent money on. And like for me, it's usually like, wow, Trevor, you really like clothes too much. You know what I mean? Whatever that may be for you. Some of you, it's like eating out, it's food or, or it's this or it's that or it's that. But before you know it, you see how much money you've spent on all these other things and how like you never even tithe. You never even gave anything back to God. You never invested in maybe a, a charitable organization that's really making an impact for the kingdom of God. That's a great indicator of where our worship is going and where our value is being placed on things. And the other one, right, is your talents. Are you actually using your talents? Or are, are you serving anyway, maybe inside the local church? Or are you always involved in volunteering and maybe it's, it's a sporting event thing that you do or, or another organization? Or you're just always so tied up at work using your gifts and your passions there, you know, trying to build this career and this brand out of yourself. Use those three T's, the time, talent, treasures, and that's gonna begin to give you an idea. And for some of us in the room right now, we already know what those things are in our lives that are competing for our worship of God. Because my first point this morning, what, you, what I want you to remember is that worship is more about what you do than what you say. Worship is far more about what you do than what you say. And for a lot of us, we've gotten really good at telling God how much we love him in a corporate worship gathering like we're in right now right? We can come in and we can sing the songs and we know all the lyrics and we probably have some cool shirts or wallpapers on our phones and we put the Instagram post out to have the verses on there and our bio, you know, has a little verse in the, in the, in the little, you know, header part of it. We're really good at, at telling God we love him vocally and audibly and that is great and that is awesome, but that's not the entirety of what it means to worship God. Paul writes in the book of, Rome, in book of Romans, Romans 12, 1, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, right? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Now sacrifice is a weird word. Granted, I totally understand. That is a weird word. When you hear sacrifice, I think of like Indiana Jones, like the Temple of Doom stuff. Remember the weird scene of like the cha-cha-cha, like that? Anybody with me on that? Some people know what I'm talking about, right? It creeps me out a bit, if I'm being honest. Uh, but at the end of the day, a sacrifice is simply like, like sacrificing one, like giving up one thing so something else can advance. If you're any baseball fans in the house, right, a sacrifice bunt, okay? You have one guy that instead of swinging the bat, He's actually going to just square up. He's going to just hit the ball right in front of him, just barely dink it down in a very safe way, knowing he is going to get thrown out so that the runner ahead of him can advance on into scoring position, right? It's a sacrifice. That's why I call it a sacrifice bunt. And what Paul is telling us that some form of this idea of a sacrifice has to be involved in our worship in some way, shape, or form if it's actually going to be this true worship. And not just any sacrifice, it's actually a living and holy sacrifice. And Paul is really pulling back from a lot of the Old Testament here. And he's pulling back on the way that they would used to worship in the Old Testament. See, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 29, 18, it says, then burn the entire animal on the altar. This is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. 
So in the Old Testament, one of the most common forms of worship was the performance of sacrifices. And they did them for different things, whether it was um, uh, for the forgiveness of sins, to to peace, to all these different things. And you can kind of study those in your own time. I'm really not going to dive into all of that this morning. But the burnt offerings were one of the most common forms that they would offer twice a day, usually. And uh, the big one was known as the guilt offering, right? And this was the idea of the forgiveness of maybe unintentional or even intentional sins of the people. So the guilt of, of the person who had done something wrong would be placed upon the animal. They would then slay the animal, place it up on the altar altar as a sacrifice, right? They would then set the altar on fire, literally burn it, and it releases what the scripture says is this pleasing aroma to heaven. Kind of awkward, but maybe think about a barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Kind of weird when you think about it, but barbecue does smell good. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, So there would be this, this aroma that would rise up to heaven and it would rise to those around and they would smell from what the sacrifice was being taken place, right? We kind of get the picture here. And what this kind of looks like for me in my head, just to, you know, track with me, I'm a little bit of a visual learner, is I have a candle with me here this morning. And there'd be this wooden altar, right? It'd usually be pretty big because they're going to put like an animal on top of it. Sometimes they would use uh, maybe like fruit or grain or, or other things as well, but an animal is probably the most common. And they would lay their hands on the animal to transfer the sins of them to the animal, slay it, right? Put it on the altar. So let's say like the glass casing would represent like the wood from the altar, okay? And the animal is actually the thing that's being sacrificed for the sins of the people. So maybe the wax inside the candle, we can say that is going to represent more of like what the animal would be. We're actually sacrificing the wax, right? So we can have this amazingly beautiful smell of birthday cake, which I think smells like a vanilla latte, which is why I really like it, okay? And then we would light the sacrifice on fire, if you can figure out how to work one of these things, right? So we're going to light the sacrifice. And once that takes... As we all know, what candles do is they release this pleasing aroma, which is why we buy them and we use them. But what's really happening to the candle is the wax is being sacrificed so we can all smell vanilla lattes all day long, right? It's sad for the, sad for the wax inside the candle, but, but at the end of the day, that's what its purpose was to do, okay? It's to release this pleasing aroma. And what Paul wants us to understand is our lives are supposed to look a little bit like that. And I think it's supposed to look a little bit more like that than some of us really understand. Let's read that verse again, Romans 12, 1. Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul instructs us to present our bodies. Why our bodies specifically? Well, your body is, is, is attached to every aspect of you, right? Like it's common sense. We kind of understand that. But like, like our thoughts, our, our feelings, our, our actions, every bit of us is connected to this. And Paul's kind of riffing off what we would call the greatest com- commandment in Scripture, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. See, worship isn't going to just take your mouth. Worship is going to take your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Worship at the end of the day is going to take every part of your body, not just your lips singing a song on Sunday morning. Paul wants us to understand that that true worship is a new special sacrifice of how we live our lives every moment of every day. It's not just coming in here on Sunday morning and singing a few songs, although that is great and yes, we should do it. True worship begins actually when we walk out of these doors into the people around us in our workplace, in our home, in our schools, driving uh, on the road, in the Walmart checkout line that's got eight 
80 million people and they all have more than 15 items, but the sign says you're not supposed to have more than 15, right? Worship happens there in that place. That's where true worship begins to happen. It's how we think about others. It's how we talk about others. It's how we treat others 24-7. I love this quote from William Barclay. He's speaking on Romans 12.1, the verse we've been reading this morning. He says that Paul says, take your body, take all the tasks that you have to do every day. Take the ordinary work of the shop, the office, the factory, the shipyard, the mine, and offer all that as an act of worship to God. True worship is the offering to God of one's body and all that one does with it every day. Real worship is not the offering to God of liturgy, however noble, and ritual, however magnificent. Don't miss this right here, this last line. Real worship is the offering of everyday life to him. See, Paul wants you to understand every moment of every day is the potential for worship. We don't have to be right here. We don't have to be all gathered together. You don't have to have Caleb with his guitar up here to worship, right? Although that's great, and we should still do that, and it's good, and he's really good at what he does. We don't have to have that to worship. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it, do it all in the name of the Lord. Do me and you see our lives every day as an act of worship? Because I guarantee you, if we kind of all polled each other in this room today, we're like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of worship? We're going to be like, uh, songs on Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Like, how many else, anybody else, seriously, like, show of hands, that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about worship is like singing on Sunday morning. I mean, that's kind of like what we've been conditioned to understand. And that's true that it is an aspect of it, but it's not the entirety of it. It's not just the stage on Sunday morning. It's not just the worship experience. Here's what I want you to, to know, right? This isn't the worship experience. You are the worship experience, You are the worship service. When we come in here and gather together collectively, we are bringing the worship experience together to have that in community. You've already been having worship, whether you realized it or not, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on the way here, you were worshiping. You had a whole worship experience in your car. What did that look like, right? When you're fighting with the kids in the back trying to get them to go, you know what I'm saying? Like, what did your worship look like every day? And I think we get so confused because for me personally, this is a little bit more of my own personal opinion, but I think we mix up a couple words, one being praise and one being worship, because they're not super easy to navigate through if you actually begin to study Scripture um, a little bit more deeply. Because a lot of the words that we have in the Bible, they have so many various meanings. And, And the word worship can refer to a specific activity as well as an ongoing lifestyle. The book of Psalms, verse 95-6, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our maker, right? In this context, it's talking about what we're doing today. This is corporate worship. Like we're gathering together. We're going to kneel down. We're going to praise God. We're going to lift up these songs. We're going to worship him. Acts 2, 46 and 47, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship of those who were being saved, right? So I think it's interesting that that verse specifically talks about they worshiped, and then it lists all of these things they did, right? And then also they were praising God. I'm like, wait, but which one was worship? Like, if worship is supposed to be praising God as us coming in and singing songs, then what about all this other stuff that they did that, according to Scripture, was also considered to be an act of worship, right? They were meeting in homes together. They were sharing meals. They were, they were going to the temple. They were sharing in their joy and in their generosity to each other. So maybe we don't have a full picture of what it really means to worship God. And the way that I see this play out in my mind, right, because I'm more of a visual learner, 
it, is it sad in, in the church today? What's happened is we begin to take this whole circle of our lives, right? Like if this is every aspect of our lives, everything that we could do in life, right? It's all inside this circle. Well, we took this, th- this circle and really this should all be worship, okay? Right? Our, our whole lives, according to Paul, what he's saying in Romans 12, 1, Everything that we do has the potential of worship every moment of every day. Well, if we begin to like pie chart our life up, okay, right, you can start to do that. And we can start drawing some of these little numbers. Let's say they were all equal, but I'm not that good of an artist, so you get what I'm saying, right? What happens is praise is an aspect, yes, right? Praise is an aspect that's very important. And, and, it, and it's, it really is generally more important than we, than we recognize in our lives and in our corporate worship gatherings. But it is just a slice of the pizza, friends right? And if that's all we ever do to worship God, we are missing so much more. We're missing so many opportunities to release this pleasing aroma to those around us and back up to heaven, right? And that can look like this, right? Uh, it doesn't just have to be us praising God audibly with our mouths, but what if, what if that's serving? Because according to Paul, like, it, it's not just our singing, but it's our sacrifice of our lives. And I know a lot of people that like serving on Sunday, it's a sacrifice. You've got kids, you've got work, you've got so many things to, that you could be doing. But you come in here and, and you serve and you give of your time and your talents. Some of you, right, you're giving financially, right? So let's put giving in there. And you're sacrificing from your pocketbooks and you're giving back. Maybe it's this church or maybe it's, you know, charitable, charitable organizations that are impacting the, the kingdom. Uh, maybe you're worshiping in, in your own way and you're sacrificing some of your own time and you're having your own prayer time, right? And you're sitting alone in isolation to God and you're having this moment. Maybe you're sacrificing some of your time and your talents and you're gathering people together in your home, right? In community. And so you're in, you're in something we call a group. And maybe it's not even a group. Maybe it's just you're grabbing coffee with, with some of your friends that are struggling with some stuff and you're working with them, right? Don't miss the fact that something doesn't have to be like clarified as a ministry of a church for you to actually just be a Christian and like go do things with people. You know what I'm saying? Like you can worship in your own lives in these private moments. And we could go on and on and on and on and we could list so many ways that we could worship God and we could keep cutting up this pizza and this pie chart more and more and more and more. But what's happened in the church today, I think personally, is we've made this part the whole circle. Right? And it's like, guys, this thing's important and we need to work on it. And some of you here today, you need to work on praise. Right? And praise, there's a lot of powerful aspects of it. There's seven primary um, Hebrew words for praise. They all break down different meanings of, of why we praise God the way we do, why we lift our hands, why we sing, why we play music, why we do these things. There's a great book, resource on that called Holy Roar by Darren Whitehead and Chris Tomlin. And go buy it and read it on your own if you're interested in what that looks like. But there's some of you, you need to work on your praise. You might be great at serving and giving and worshiping God in these other ways, but you can go to a football game and you can throw your hands up and you can cheer and you can lose your mind, but you can't do that for Jesus on Sunday morning. That's a heart check, right? And there's some of us here, that is what we need to work on. But I think the church as a whole, we're really good at singing. Like we're really good at it. We're really good at making worship albums. We're really good at praising God. We're really good at saying, I love you. It's the other aspects of our lives. I'll never forget there was one Sunday that I was playing drums and I came in and it was, it was super rainy. Like, it was just like, ugh. And I remember just being super annoyed about just being a big baby that Sunday because we kind of we get here early um, to set up and we run through all the songs for the worship team and everything. 
So I was just being a big baby. It was rainy, and I was like, oh, my suede shoes on. They're going to get all destroyed. You know what I mean? Just super, super baby. And uh, I'm in here. I'm playing drums. I'm sitting on a little, like, you know, comfy drum stool, and, like, I'm playing. We're running through. And I just kind of didn't. I was just like, oh, I'm just so I'm tired, blah, 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 blah. And I look over to my left. And there's this side um, kind of garage door area beside the drums over there. You guys can't really see it right now. But uh, Mark Henderson, I don't know if you guys know who Mark is. Mark's one of our team members here on our, like, greeting and parking team. And it is pouring down rain, like, like drenching rain, okay? And I look to my left, and here's Mark, okay, like, covered. I mean, he is soaked. Like, it's funny, but it's not funny. Like, he is absolutely soaking wet. And he is pulling out these massive signs that we sit down the road to show people, like, how to get to the church and stuff like that by himself, right? He's loading these signs up in his own truck to go out there and take in the, this absolute downpour, okay? And I had this moment to me, and I'm like, which one of these is really worship? Right? Because we forget that guy. Someone probably told me, Trevor, great job on drums that day. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's, I appreciate it. Thank you. But nobody probably told Mark that. You know what I mean? His, his, he's the one out there getting soaked, drenched. Like, I, I'm not saying what we do on stage is not important. Please don't hear that. But if we recognize one gift and ignore another, church, we're missing what it means to worship. Right? It's a team effort here. It's baseball. One, all right? There's this concept of, uh, of uh, this independence, but also a team dynamic of you have to have a pitcher and a catcher or the game can't be played. Right? You, you need both of those aspects. And the same thing looks like that with worship. We need all of these aspects in our lives if we're going to have true holy worship. If we're going to release this pleasing aroma to those around us and back up to heaven. I think of people like, like, like my dad who's run sound. I think every Sunday for the past six months, but like one Sunday, right? But people don't know that. And there, there's people in our, on our parking team out there that it is like 90,000 degrees outside, okay? And they're sweaty and gross and they don't smell like a pleasing aroma, okay? But they are one, right? And that pleasing aroma is going to other people and it's going back up to heaven and it's showing people what it looks like to sacrifice a little bit of myself, to lay down that bunt so that someone else can experience the love of Jesus. So someone else can experience that and that is honoring to God and God loves to see that. Our kids volunteers are in there and they're changing dirty nasty diapers that don't smell like a pleasing aroma, okay? They don't, right? But they're in there week in and week out and they are sacrificing a bit of themselves for those kids and for the parents that can come in here and they can have a worship experience where they can focus and experience who God is. So which one of those people was really the worship leader that Sunday, right? Was it, was it me because I know how to play an instrument? No, all of us are that, right? Essentially, at the end of the day, we are all leading worship, right? Now, we might be leading some praise moments where we're lifting up songs together, but we're all leading worship. We're all leading the bigger picture together. I think of people like, like, like Warren Meadows, who leads a small group with a bunch of guys that, that, are, that are working through some things in their lives and working, working through some recovery aspects of their lives, right? And he goes there and he's seeing salvation after salvation. He's baptizing dudes in a lake. Like, what, what is That's worship. That's leading worship. You know, I know people like Bridget Brock come in here through the week and, and she plugs stuff into the computer and, and inputs people so to make sure they're here for baptism and we get back with them for next steps. That's leading worship, right? And there's so many people in our church, they're the people that are teaching me what it means to worship, right? They're showing me what that looks like to sacrifice a little bit of who they are so that other people can come to know the love of God. Ephesians 5 2 tells us this, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love 
following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. There's that term again, right? The pleasing aroma. See, a life filled with love is a life full of worship. If you have a life that's filled with love, you're going to want to sacrifice some of that love off and give it to other people. And it's the sacrifice of that love of your life that is this pleasing aroma that is filling the world around you and heading back up to the Father. What's fascinating about the church of Ephesus though, right? We just read Ephesians 5 2. Let's roll it back just a little bit to Ephesians 4 25. And they weren't so loving actually. And that's why Paul wrote this. Because if you read in Ephesians 4 25 through 31, it's going to be on the screen. He's talking to the Ephesian church. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. For angry gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Did you know you being an encouraging person is worship? Right? At work, on your sports team, in, your, in, the, hall, in the hallway of your classrooms, whatever it is. Like if you're encouraging and you're just not a negative Nancy 24-7, you don't gossip about people 24-7, you are worshiping by doing that. That's amazing. We need more of that in our world today. And don't bring sorrow to, sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. There was a lot of people in the church of Ephesus that weren't filled with love. And they didn't really understand what it meant to worship, right? Because they weren't releasing this pleasing aroma. And here's what's scary. You can release an aroma. It might not be pleasing, right? What are you worshiping? What are you valuing? If it's your own personal gain, yeah, you probably are harsh. You probably do things. And you probably slander. There's bitterness and there's rage. And you're releasing this stuff back to heaven. And back to, it's just, ah, that's not, right? It's not what, ah, that's what worship's supposed to do. Ah, man, I like that guy. Ah, he's just, there's something about him. There's something about her. There's something about, why do they always do that? That's just so interesting, right? That's what worship begins to do. The sad thing is, is that a lot of our church today doesn't look that much different than the church of Ephesus. According to Gallup polls and sociologists, evangelical Christians, Christians are just as likely to embrace a hedonistic, materialistic, self-centered, and sexually immoral lifestyle as the general public. Right? There's many of us that are proclaiming to be Christians today that are living dangerously unbiblical lives. I think it's because we don't know what worship really is. Because we can come in on Sunday morning, we can sing some songs, we can make some posts, we can share some Bible verses online, right? We can lift praise in a few moments, but we miss all the other moments. And the world's not looking at what we do in here because, friends, they're not here. Like, the church isn't here. This is, like, that's great that, like, we're in here and we're encouraging, we're building up, we're equipping, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. But so many people we work with that aren't with us right now in this room, this is what they're watching, that part and is that part of your life a pleasing aroma to God I think it's so fascinating that there's so many Christians and I'm just going to say it that are just really lousy humans you know 
Like, if you remember something like that, uh, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. Like, growing up in, in church, maybe you were part of a more traditional church. Do you ever have that, like, one old lady that was, like, she was, like, all about the church, but she was the crankiest, meanest old lady you've ever met in your life? You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, Betty is a crazy person. You know what I mean? Like, I, maybe there was somebody like that in your church growing up, or there was, like, a, a, an older lady or an older guy, right? How, how does that happen? Like, how do you sit in church and we hear about the love of God, we hear about these all these things, things for so long, yet the aroma that's coming back from these people's lives, you're like, how? She's so mean, like she's so rude. And like, you see that, right? And it, it baffles me how often we see this. There's so many Christians that really are lousy people. And there's some people that aren't Christians and you're like, they're so nice and so kind. How are they so nice and so kind? Yeah, that person's a Christian and they're so mean and they're so like jealous and they're so, ah, like I don't get how it goes together. Our last point is this is the fact that you can say I love you and still stink, right? I know that's harsh. I don't mean to be harsh, but it's true. We, me, me, myself included, all of us in this room, we can say I love you and we can sing the songs and we can post the posts and we can put our cute little Instagram with our Bible on our table and we can take a picture of it, you know? But if we walk in the office and, and, and we're just a lousy human, <laughs> we're mean and we gossip and we you know we talk about other people and we're rude what's the aroma that's coming off of our lives because it's not a sacrifice of love there's no way I remember I had this border collie growing up um, his name was Beethoven he's a big massive furball and uh, he was literally 17 years old fascinating by the way it's crazy um, but he's just big massive furball and uh, he loved to get out in the like the cow fields and he would run around and do stuff. And there's one day my, my parents weren't home. I think it was me and my sister. I think it was us. I don't know. But um, we were there and I had let him out earlier. And he kind of ran off into one of the cow fields back behind my mom and dad's house. I was like, okay, whatever. Let him go. Let him go do his thing. I'll go get him later. Well, then the salesman rolls up to our house. And uh, the salesman comes out of the car. And um, I kind of see them coming. Well, Beethoven happened to catch them before me. And, you know, there's like people, people. Well, Beethoven was like a people, people for dog version where he just, he never met someone who wasn't his best friend, okay? And like he wanted you, you had to touch him, you had to pet him, rub my belly. You know, he's one of those dogs. Like he just wanted you to play with him. Well, Beethoven comes rolling out of the cow field, but this time he had literally been rolling through the cow field, okay? So I know it's crass maybe. The dude's covered in poo, okay? Right? Long, shaggy, like border collie fur, okay? He was gross, like so gross, okay? Oh, he smelled so bad. And he sees that salesman, he just, you know, and he is like, I mean, he's coming for him. And I see him and it's like, oh, no. And like, it's just this slow-mo moment, you know what I mean? And he runs up to that salesman and he's and his tail's wagging. He's just so wanting them to touch him. And the person just, and like, I don't know if they even said a word to me. They just go back in their car and they left, right? It was just, they were out. They weren't having any part of it. And I was thinking about that story as I was writing, I was writing the message for this week. And I was like, man, how much do we look like that to people sometimes in our lives? Like we go up and when we say that we say these things like, oh, I just, I, you know, our church was so great. And we talked about love and acceptance and all these things like that. And then we go to our workplace and everybody from our workplace is like, bro, you stink. You know what I mean? Like, I know you're saying it, but your life does not look like that because it's not a pleasing aroma. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 tells us, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, right? Proclaiming our allegiances to his name. And don't forget to do good, to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Those are the moments that release that sweet smell back to heaven 
and back to the people around us that actually will make our world a different place. So when you walk out this morning, don't think about how, how, how well you may be like worshiped in here in this moment. Think about how well you're gonna worship as you walk out the doors. And I hope we worship great in here. I hope you're in it. I hope you lift your hands. I hope you're excited. I hope you wanna sing with us and be a part. And that's great and it's powerful, but that's a whole nother sermon. We can, we can preach on that another time, right? <laughs> it's just a piece of the pie. It's not the whole thing. But what I want us to work on is what we do out there, the nine to five, right? And we're their friends, we're with our family, we're with our coworkers out there in the Walmart parking lot. I don't know, somebody still has their parking spot, right? That's a worship experience. Every moment of every day is the potential to create a moment of worship to offer a sacrifice of love that produces a pleasing aroma to the world around us and lifts one up to heaven. So I'm gonna go ahead and pray this morning. And, and if you're here and maybe you're just kind of hanging out and you're checking out this Jesus thing, we are so, so happy to have you here with us. Uh, we just ask you to keep on coming. And if you're a Christian here this morning and something from the message hit you and you're like, man, I need to work on that. I mean, there's parts of this that I'm like, yeah, I got to work on that, right? We're all a work in progress. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. Just go, go out there, go off these walls and just focus on being that worship experience to those around you, right? This is the, if this is the aha moment for you, that's amazing. That's great. We can learn this together. I don't have this all figured out, right? The people I maybe mentioned earlier in the sermon, they're people that are teaching me what it means to worship every day, right? They go out there and they, and they, they serve people and they sacrifice a little bit of, of who they are for other people, you know? But if you're here and you do want to give your life to Jesus, we, we always give this opportunity and I want to offer that to you because the reality is Jesus was the greatest sacrificial offering of love that will ever and has ever happened, right? And that released the ultimate pleasing aroma to the world around us and back to, back to heaven. And he took the place of the Old Testament offering, right? He took the place of that and he laid his life down so we could then live a life free of the penalty of sin. And how they were sacrificing the animals in the Old Testament, Jesus said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of all of that. And so in response to that, what do we do, right? We surrender our lives to our bodies, every part of who we are, and we worship. Him. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for the rest of us that are figuring this worship thing out. So let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you are a, a God that's still speaking to us and still loves us and cares about us. And we know there's moments that we kind of miss it sometimes, but for those of us in the room, I'm just going to ask them to pray with me. If this is the, the time that they want to give their life to you, they want to present their lives as a living sacrifice over to you in light of the sacrifice you paid for them. If that's you, just pray with me. Jesus, I believe you came from heaven to earth as a sacrifice of love to give yourself in a way that I can never do on my own, that you paid for my sin and you paid for the sin of the world through your sacrifice. I accept you today as, as my Lord and Savior. I don't want to live every moment of this day with you as my Lord, you leading my thoughts, my decisions, my motives. I want to worship you from here on out every single day. And for the rest of us in this room, we just want to pray, God, you'll just teach us what it means to, to truly be a worship experience every day. No matter where we're at, what we're doing, what's going on, help us keep our perspective and our focus on you. Help us walk out these doors and truly release a pleasing aroma to heaven and the world around us. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus and we all say together, church, amen. 
Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.